Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. How's everybody doing? How are y'all doing? I thought about doing a whole preach in Texan sometime. What do you think? Should I try? <laughs> Somebody said no. Okay, I won't. Um, we're in the middle of a series right now as a church. Who can tell me what that series is about? Yeah, from Ephesians, and it's who do you think we are? All about identity. You know, I think um, there's two big questions in life. And if you can nail these two questions, you're going to have a pretty good life. They are, who am I and who is God? And actually, really, who we are flows so directly out of knowing who God is, knowing about his character. We discover our true identity as we discover God's true character. And the good news is, we don't have to simply guess who God is, and you don't have to just take my word for it. God loves to reveal himself to us as his people. He's a self-revealing God. He wants to be known. Isn't that great? And he does it largely through his word, largely through scripture. But the whole history of the people of Israel, of the life of Jesus, of the history of the church has been about knowing who God is, what his character is really like. And in light of knowing who he really is, we begin to get to know who he's really created us to be as well which is a beautiful thing. And do you know what the Bible reveals God to be most? Who God says he is most in Scripture? Any guesses? Say it loud. Father. Good. That's right. Somebody this morning said holy. And I thought, well, actually, that could rival Father. But I'm going for Father here tonight. And I think it is the main revelation of who God is. You see it throughout the Old Testament. Remember, it says he's a father to the fatherless. He puts the lonely in families. You see it in the New Testament. Paul talks a lot about the spirit of sonship. He talks about being sons of God and crying out, Abba, Father. And Ephesians 5, so we're in Ephesians, and I want to just kind of jump off of Ephesians 5.1, which says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Isn't that a good phrase? As dearly loved children. That's who we are. And I think we see it most, actually, in the life of Jesus. Jesus had this amazing relationship with God the Father. It's all about the Father for him. How, how, so when his disciples say, how should we pray? How does the Lord's Prayer begin? Our Father. That's the starting point for knowing God, for prayer, for relationship with God, is Father. He says in Matthew 5, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify, not just God, but glorify your Father in heaven. He says in Matthew 7, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? In fact, I did a little study and I found Jesus refers to God as Father 
189 times in the four Gospels. That's a lot. This is the big theme of Jesus' revelation of God, is that God is Father. So think with me for a minute. Why is this so important? I have three big thoughts. Number one, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about who God is, I think about His sovereignty, His omniscience. What are some other big kind of lofty attributes of God that, that are hard for us to understand? Anyone think of any? His holiness, yeah. Omnipresence, any of the omnis. Um, um, omnipotence, I'm like, what, what is that? What, you know, what do I do with that? I can't even really grasp that. But he says he's all those things in the skin of a father. And the thing about father is it's very personal. It's very relational. He's saying, yes, I'm way beyond anything you can comprehend, but also I want to be near to you. I want you to be able to relate to me. It's so intimate, a father. The second thing is everyone can relate. So I have a question. Raise your hand if you didn't have a biological father. Okay, good. There was a hand this morning, and I got really worried for a minute. Um, <clears throat> every single one of us has had a dad. Maybe you didn't know your dad, but you still had one because you're here today. Father means something for every person. And that's important. There's meaning for all of us. And the third reason is that fathers mark us so deeply. There's something about a father that is uniquely influential and powerful in their children's lives that no other person can have. Now that can be for good, or sometimes that can be for bad, but the power of fathers is amazing. And you know, this kind of scares me a bit because I am a father. I have an 11-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son, and I see the influence that I have in their lives. I see the way that they look to me, the way that they want to imitate me, the, the, the way that they look for affirmation from me. And you know what? I've gotten really good at saying, I'm sorry to them because I often don't represent God as Father very well in their lives. But I'm trying because I see that holy responsibility that I've been given as a dad to these precious young people. It's also because after years of ministry and counseling with people, you know what, I'm really convinced that for most people, a lot of our issues and struggles go back to a father wound or a father stuff that's been that's happened in our lives. Sometimes we're not even aware of it, but it's influencing the way we see God. It's influencing the way that we see ourselves. It's such a big thing. And finally, it's because of the complexities of my own relationship with my dad. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. I'm still working on unraveling all of that and um, still working on allowing God to heal some different places in my own life. But I thought of a story that kind of, I, I tapped into this not too long ago in a pretty deep way as a dad. So my son runs cross country. Any cross country runners here? No! Okay, one, two. <laughs> yeah, you run triathlons. Way to go. Uh, so, 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 so he runs cross country, and um, there's like this unwritten rule that every Saturday morning there's a meet is like the coldest, rainiest, muddiest, most horrible Saturday ever. And so one particular time we were out, and um, <clears throat> it was like a mud pit. 
And basically, I told them, I said, hey, don't wear your really good cross-country shoes because they will get absolutely ruined and they're kind of expensive. Wear these other shoes. And there was this part, so they, they went off and there was this part where they disappeared into the forest and there was a big uphill um, climb in the forest and I couldn't see them. So I'm cheering them on. I'm like, go ahead and go. And I always run to the up to the halfway point of the circuit so I can cheer him on at the halfway point and be like, go. And he's, he's really good. If you... If you've met him, he's, he's got a runner's body. He's made to run. So anyway, he's, he's sailing along. I run up to that middle point, and I'm waiting for him. And he's not, he doesn't come out of the trees. And all these other kids, there's like 200 kids running at a time. All these other kids are running past him. I'm like, where's my son? Where's Aiden? And finally, like some of the last stragglers come out. And finally, I see him come out of the woods, and he's crying. And something just welled up in me, and I ran over, and I hugged him, and I was like, Aiden, are you okay? What's wrong? And basically, he told me that he had, um, he had fallen on that steep, muddy incline. He couldn't get any traction. And every time he'd get halfway up, some of the other boys would push him back down because it's real rough, and they all use their elbows, and it's, very, it's like this very dense pack of boys running. And I got so mad at those other boys. But also I was like, Aiden, are, are you okay? And I felt this, this real protective sense of love for my son. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, do you want to finish the race? And I thought this could be one of those good teachable moments, right? Like finish what you start, you know, and all that stuff. And he looked at me and he said, no, Dad, I really don't. I just want to go home. And I just melted and I was like, okay, let's go. So I went and I found his coach and I complained. <laughs> and, and then I took him out to the, for this giant English breakfast that we always do after he runs cross country, which is really good. And I was just affirming and I was like, Aiden, you are an amazing boy. It was a real hit for him because he couldn't make it. He couldn't do well at this thing that he was really wanting to do well at. But I, I felt, I remember thinking in the midst of that, I feel the father's heart in this place pretty deeply. It's an intense thing to be a dad and to love your kids. How much more our Father in Heaven? Psychologists agree that for most people, Dad is the number one influence. Dad's influence us like everything else, like nothing else. So here's a question for you. What do fathers do in the lives of their children? What are the main roles and functions that a father plays? Just shout them out to me. What are some things that dads do? Protect. Yes, they are protective of their kids. Provide. What? Teach. They teach. Good. Discipline. Give boundaries. Say, this is not okay. This is okay. Affirm. Did I hear over there? Yes. Speak affirmation. Any, anything else? They love us. They communicate their love to us. Good. Without, like, give us without expecting anything back in return. Yes, unconditionally. Very good. Yeah. Fathers have this amazing way of speaking and releasing identity into their children. And fathers are meant to teach boys what it means to be a man. That's really important. Fathers are also meant to teach girls part of what it means to be a woman, but how to expect to be treated by men as well. That's a big thing for a father to teach his daughter. And they have this way of bringing security and identity and, yeah, protection. 
And isn't it interesting, all those things apply profoundly to God as well as our Heavenly Father. Another story about Aiden a few years ago, he was struggling with some bullying in school. And it's really hard as a dad to know what to tell your son to do when they're being bullied. But anyway, I was at the school gate one time with him, and this big boy just came up out of nowhere and just socked him like full full force in the stomach. And he was like, ugh. He started to cry. He was probably seven at the time. Just right in front of me. I turned to this boy. And I picked him up. I mean, not picked him up, but I grabbed him like this. I thought for a second, I thought, I need to be careful here. And I said, listen, if you ever do that to Aiden again, I will find you. I didn't say what I would do to him when I found him. I was okay. But he looked at me with this fear in his eyes. I mean, I can be a little intimidating if I want to be. And you know what? (laughs) He never bothered Aiden again. And it's so funny because Aiden often mentions this. And actually, the boy's mom was there. And so I talked with his mom, too. And I was like, hey, that's not okay. And she was kind of saying different things. And I said, that is not okay for him to hurt my son. And Aiden often will bring that story up, and he's kind of embarrassed by it, but he also loves it. He loves to tell it because he felt like he knew that I had his back, that I was protecting him. And actually, something changed in his life, and he hasn't really been bullied since. In fact, he's been, it hasn't been an issue for him, which is so encouraging. I think this guy was kind of like the ringleader. But that's another example. That's what fathers are meant to do. Protect their kids. Look out for them. I really believe that our relationship or lack of relationship with our earthly fathers colors and determines our view of God like nothing else. It's one thing to know that concept, and some of you may have heard that before. It's another thing to really think about what that might mean in your life. And of course, fathers can influence us in negative ways too, can't they? If if fathers represent God so profoundly to us, what do you think the enemy's number one goal would be? To destroy fatherhood. We live in a fatherless generation today. I see it everywhere. People looking for the affirmation of, the, of a dad that they never had in so many different ways. Girls looking for the love of a father in the hug of a, of a thousand men because they didn't get that from dad. It's such a big thing today, isn't it? And so I want to ask you another slightly harder question. How can fathers negatively influence their children? What can they do that could be hurtful to their kids? Withdraw. Good. Be distant or be passive in terms of engaging with them. Talking down to them. Maybe being really critical or really negative towards them. Anyone else? Being controlling, like hyper, yeah, like trying to get them to always do things their way. What was over here? Teach them the wrong things. Mislead them. Good. Not setting boundaries. Not giving appropriate security of saying, hey, this is not okay. Abusing them. I mean, that would be the ultimate abuse of the authority and responsibility that dad has to actually harm his children who he's been entrusted with. 
by God. Drunkenness, yeah, that can be a very hurtful one. I heard something else, not setting an example somewhere over here. These are real, real dynamics. And you know what, guys, the truth is, no, none of your fathers got it perfect. Some of us had wonderful dads. Some of us had dads who really struggled. Maybe they were hurt by their father, and they just passed it on down the family tree. But the thing that I'm praying is that God will heal us to where we can stop that cycle. Because the good news is, we have a Father in heaven who loves us. A little bit about my own dad. So I was very close to him when I was very young. I have lots of fond memories. And then when I was six, my dad lost his job. He was fired. It was a painful situation. And he had always been very fragile, kind of sickly and weak. And basically that plunged him through a series of situations into deep depression and sickness. And all I knew as a little six-year-old was my dad, the center of my world, left. He was still in the house, but as far as I was concerned, he was gone. And this thing of distance and passivity and withdrawal of my father really marked my life. And I've realized since that in many ways that has affected how I, how I see God. I struggle sometimes with the nearness or the intimacy or the affirmation of God because of the way my own dad was. He didn't mean to be that way, but life was just overwhelming for him. As a six-year-old, though, I thought I had done something wrong. And so it's really affected how I, how I interact with God. So I want to ask you a question. We're going to do a quick slideshow of images. It's just some little clip art images that I've put together. How do you remember your father? Let's just look through these real quickly. Do you remember him as a kind of happy, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of guy? Uh, keep going. Maybe taking you to the zoo or spending quality time with you. Um, maybe reading the Bible with you, being a discipler, giving you a gift. I like this picture. Giving you a blessing, affirming you. Uh-oh. Maybe he was frustrated, agitated, anxious. Maybe he was accusing, always pointing the finger at you. Maybe he was angry. <laughs> I'm not sure even what this is. Rage? Fury? Maybe he was just... A scary, scary guy sometimes. Maybe you mainly remember him running away from you, going away from you. Or maybe he was just so distant, you kind of knew he was there, but very, very far away. Maybe for some of you, it's just blank. You don't even have a memory of your father. Maybe you didn't know him, or he was that far away. Think about how you remember your dad. The good news is, God is the perfect Father. Louis Giglio has a great quote. He says, God's not a reflection of Dad, but the perfection of Dad. The great thing about God is He's the original Father. He doesn't have any Father issues. He is the perfection of what it means to be a Father. We see this all throughout Scripture. Psalm 68 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. Deuteronomy 31 says, The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I love that promise. And you know what? I found at least five times in the Bible where God says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. If your dad left you, 
The good news is God never will. He never will leave you. He's always with you. And Romans 8.15, that beautiful verse where Paul says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That word, Abba, how do you say it here? Abba. Sorry. I can't say it that way. Um, that word is an intimate word. It's an Aramaic word. And it's the word that the smallest of children would call out to their daddy. They'd say, Abba, Abba. It really means daddy, dad, daddy. I have a friend who whenever he prays, he always says, oh, daddy, I love you. It's kind of awkward for me, honestly. I never quite know what to do with it. But I think he's on to something in that it's a very biblical idea. God is not just our Father in heaven way up there somewhere. He is Daddy. He is near. He is close to us. Abba. I talked to a speech communication student who told me that these are the very first syllables that a tiny baby can make. Abba. Abba. And so it's like that first word that comes out of a baby's mouth is often Abba. That's the picture here. You can, you can feel the nearness of Abba Father in the statement. And there are other places like Galatians 4, 6 where Paul basically says the same thing. A spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. That's who God is. It's the unbelievable truth. We've been adopted into his family. He's our dad. Jesus is our older brother. We're in the family. We have an inheritance. He delights in us. He loves us. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you have a loving, heavenly father. That's good news. That's amazing. So here's a question. So Paul talks about the spirit of sonship. What would be the opposite of sonship? Of knowing you have a dad. Of knowing you are a son or a daughter of God. What would be the opposite? What word would we use? Orphan. That's right. An orphan is someone who doesn't know they have parents. Who, who doesn't have parents, right? And I want to talk just a little bit tonight about something called the orphan spirit versus the spirit of sonship. Because here's the thing, guys. So many of us grew up one way, and then we got adopted into the family of God. But we're still sometimes living with that orphan mentality, as if we don't have a loving dad who will provide for us, who will protect us, who will take care of us. I have a good friend named Nick in Sheffield who told me this story about he was in Brazil one time working in an orphanage, and this orphanage was working with street kids, Brazilian street kids that had been rescued from the streets. And so it was interesting. So they were working with them and getting them adopted into families. And this was a very safe, secure environment. All their needs were met. But he would watch them every single mealtime. These kids would come. And they would hoard all the food. And they would fight each other for the food. And they were doing all these other very aggressive, inappropriate things. Some of them quite shocking, actually. And it was crazy because they had everything they needed. But they still felt like, I have to 
protect myself. I have to prove myself. I have to take care of myself. I don't have anybody who's taking care of me, who's watching out for me. And he was thinking about how much it takes to change an orphan mentality to a son mentality. To change that mindset, that pattern of thinking, is a big thing. Here's a simple way to summarize this. The orphan spirit causes us to live life as if we do not have a safe and secure place in the Father's heart. We feel we have no place of affirmation, protection, comfort, belonging, or affection. Self-oriented, lonely, and inwardly isolated, we have no one from whom to draw godly inheritance. Therefore, we have to strive, achieve, compete, and earn everything we get in life. It leads to a life of anxiety, pain, fear, and frustration. And I don't know about you, but when I started to see this, I started to see it in my own life in some major ways. And then I started to see it in the lives of so many Christians around me who are living as if they don't have a dad, even though they do. And God has had me on the journey of healing and of teaching me what it means to be a son. The spirit of sonship is all about having a hard attitude of submission, being subject to another's mission. Sonship produces security, significance, identity, patience, trust, faithfulness, loyalty, humility, being others-oriented. Because you can think about other people when you know you're okay. Because we know our security in the Father and we have an inheritance that lies ahead. Sonship is such an amazing thing. And for many of us, we need to learn that we are Father. And that we are His precious, dearly loved sons and daughters. I was going to go through some more descriptions of this, but I think we're going to skip that. I'm going to post something tomorrow on the city that's just some resources from some different people that I've read and studied about this. And But there's a few indicators. I'll just throw out a couple of different thoughts of ways you can see, um, do you have an orphan mentality or do you have the heart of a son or a daughter? A big one is when you're rebuked or when you're corrected. Do, how do you respond to that? If you respond with defensiveness or rationalizing or pushing away, that's orphan thinking. Because what it's exposing is your own insecurities. But if you know that you're okay, if you know you're accepted, if you're living from a place of love and affirmation in God, then you can receive that and go, thank you. I need that because I want to grow and learn and mature. Another big way would be, how do you see authority in your life? An orphan is suspect towards authority, towards leadership. A son knows their God's presence in their life for their good and, 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 and is wanting to draw near to them. Another would be, how do you respond when somebody gets promoted other than you? Do you celebrate their success because you know you're okay? Or are you personally threatened when somebody else gets blessed and you don't? These are just simple ways that we can see Wow, where are we in this whole thing? And I think a lot of life is really, it's so funny, it's about God teaching us that we really are dearly loved sons and daughters of His. And that therefore we're living from success, not for it. Because the thing is, when you really learn that you're a son or a daughter, you are free to take risks because you already know you're okay. 
So you can do crazy stuff if God tells you to. You can take big risks because your, depend, your identity, your security doesn't depend on that. You are secure. You're living from his affirmation. Does that make sense? The fruit of sonship is beautiful. It's security, significance, identity, patience, trust, faithfulness, loyalty, humility, being others-oriented, and inheritance. Ultimately, it's so empowering to be loved by God this way because it sets us free to be who He's made us to be. So what do we do about this? What do we do about the the orphan heart that is in so many of us? You know, the thing about it is you can't really just pray it out. (laughs) I mean, you, you can over time, but it's a mindset shift that happens as we encounter and experience the love and blessing of the Father. That's the remedy, guys. And that is what displaces that orphan thought, I'm alone and I have to take care of me. Is this thought that actually God's taking care of me and I'm going to be okay. I would encourage you to ask this question, Father, how do you feel about me? How do you feel about me? You know, my dad, um, I mentioned earlier, just withdrew from my life in a pretty dramatic way. And, um, and, um, and then he died a number of years later, about 15 or 16 years ago. My dad very suddenly passed away. No warning, no chance to say goodbye. He just died. And... I really grieved in that period of my life. And I realized, I was like, gosh, I mean, this is hard, but why am I grieving so much? And a lot of what I was grieving was the loss of the possibility of having the kind of dad that I always wanted to have because he was dead. But actually in that place, and over the last 15 years, God has had me on such a journey of saying, I am that dad that you always wanted to have. I am that father who affirms you and loves you in a way that you need it so much. And there's an amazing story right before. So right before my dad died, we were all together at Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, we had not been very close, but I had uh, been in ministry for a few years at this point. I'd been married for a few years. He'd gotten to know my wife some. And we were spending time together having a big meal. And um, at the table, I'll never forget it, all of a sudden, like we were just eating, and all of a sudden my dad just, just like stood up, and it was awkward because he, he knocked his chair back and it fell on the floor. And he looked at me and he said, Daniel, I want you to know how proud of you I am. And he just started going through. He said, I want you to know I love you. And I'm proud of you for this. I'm proud of you for that. And it was kind of awkward, honestly, because I was like, who is this? <laughs> but at the same time, I was thinking, oh, I've been waiting for this. It was such a gift to hear how my dad felt about and you know what? That was the second to last time that I saw him. He died a month later. And I still can't believe that he, just in the moment, just knew, I need to affirm my son. It makes all the difference when you hear how dad feels about you. I have a friend who says, you can do anything when you know your daddy loves you. And that's true to an extent with our earthly fathers, but how much more with our heavenly fathers? Father. (laughs) 
Sorry, bad theology there for a minute. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we look just quickly. I wanna I wanna land here. Jesus, Jesus, as we've seen, had this amazing relationship with the Father. And how did that happen? And how was he so secure and had such a sense of who he was and who the Father was? I think it's partly because the Father spoke over him multiple times when he needed it most. In, Ma- in Mark 1, 11, it says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Isn't that good? That was at his baptism. That was just before he went into the wilderness and then started his public ministry. You know what? I think Jesus needed to hear I think he needed to be reminded again, Father, how do you feel about me? And again, shortly before he goes to the cross, in Matthew 17, 5, it says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. He was about to go through the ultimate test, and he needed to know again, Father, how do you feel about me? I mean, the other people needed to hear that too, but there weren't very many other people there. We need to know how the Father feels about us. So I call this receiving the Father's blessing. And there's five core things that we need. And I just believe that the Father wants to release this to us tonight in a fresh and new way. So this is the Father's blessing. We need to know He loves us and hear it verbalized over and over and over and over. I love you. I love you. I'm for you. We need His approval and acceptance because of who we are, as we are, even in our weakness, struggles, and immaturity. We need to know He loves us even when we're a mess. We need to know this is for free. We don't have to earn it just receive it. It's so beautiful. We need the active participation of Father in our lives, emotionally, physically, and mentally available to us, saying, I'm with you. I'm involved with you. I'm, I'm, I'm participating with you. And we need to hear Him say, I believe in you. I have confidence in you. You can do it. Fathers have this way of putting their finger in your chest and saying, listen, you're worth more than that. I believe in you. You have it. We need to receive that from God. And the beautiful thing is, as we receive this blessing, as we grow in our security and identity as a son or a daughter of God, we then become empowered to father and mother others around us, to help and partner with Him in fathering a fatherless generation that so desperately needs Him. I believe there are many here tonight for whom this is a big part of your calling, is to put an arm around somebody's shoulder and say, hey, I believe in you. You're better than that. (laughs) Come on. And point them to a heavenly Father that adores them. If you know your daddy loves you, you can do anything. So this is a talk where at the end, you don't have to do actually anything. You just get to receive. This is a talk where the response of our hearts is just to say, yes, Abba, Daddy, come and Father me. Come and love me. Come and tell me again how you feel about me. Speak your affirmation with me. Why don't we stand together?
1 John 3 1. I love this little verse. It says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Did you notice the exclamation points there? He really means it. It's so great a love that the Father has lavished that we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. Let's pray together. And I just want to encourage you to open your hands and even more importantly, to open your hearts and say, Come, Father. Speak to me. Father, thank You that You love us more than we can imagine. Thank You that You are committed to removing this orphan thinking, this orphan heart, and teaching us what it means to be a son and a daughter. To the security, the identity, the, the love of pouring that out into our hearts. And I pray we would receive You. Make it personal to us here tonight. Let us hear you say, You are my son. You are my daughter, who I love. With you I am well pleased. I'm not just pleased, I am well pleased. Some translations say, In you is all my delight. We just ask for a release tonight of the spirit of sonship in a way that brings real breakthrough and real healing and real empowering for all of us. Thank you that we don't have to do a thing. We just get to receive it from you. I think we're going to take a moment and I just want you to respond to your Father in heaven. I just want you to listen. And here's my big thing that I'm feeling is that for some of us, this is this is a really big deal. For some of us, we're like, yeah, I've heard this before, but I need more. But some of us, wow, maybe we haven't ever even processed this very much. Tonight's a night of breakthrough for you. Tonight's a night to encounter the blessing and revelation of God. I would love to pray with you, and in a minute we may... We may have some prayer teams available. And if there's fathers here, I, I just love to release a father's blessing to people who need that. But much more importantly than that, let's receive the father's blessing as we worship and respond tonight.